This is for the men who never settle. The ones who believe only quitters and a game and a tie. The type of guys who choose the bar with the biggest TVs to overcompensate for theirs at home. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Homestretch, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Live in studio on this chilly, yet beautiful, kind of cold, but the sun makes it feel okay, Friday afternoon. Kyle, behind the glass. How are you, man? I'm well, man. Anxious, though. It's about to be the longest bye week ever. I don't like waiting this long. As a man who is always impatient, waiting this long when your team has gotten this far is brutal. Yeah, we've done it twice before. I, I never remember it being this bad. Not sure why. I don't know how many more storylines I can come up with. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how many more things I can talk about? We had so much during the Bengals week, though, that yeah. that just it took care <laughs> of itself, you know? These Eagles, they're not talking. We, we like the Eagles. Uh, frankly, I'll say it. Not this week. Yeah. Not next week. But when the Chiefs don't play the Eagles, I like them. Yeah. I like Jalen Hurts. I like the organization. It's a passionate fan base. A lot of similarities. I like cheesesteaks. I lived there. I rioted. No, celebrated when they won the Super Bowl. It wasn't a riot. Come on, guys. (laughs) Like, it's a good city that gave us Andy Reid. I have no anger towards, towards Philly, but I will be giving it my all towards them until, I don't know, midnight Next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. At least finally we have a good food matchup. Yeah. Seriously, Cincinnati, ha- the best they have is that horrible chili. Yeah, Skyline. At least the Eagles got some cheesesteaks. <laughs> they got something going for them. But it's a matchup between two banged-up quarterbacks. Hopefully this gives them both time to heal up. Chiefs are extremely injured. We know this. Nothing new. McCole Hardman, Kadarius Tony, Judas Smith-Schuster, Legereus Sneed. Travis Kelsey, to an extent, with his back spasms. Patrick Mahomes, to an extent, with his ankle. We know he's going to play, but the question is, how healthy will he be? Jalen Hurts, the other side of the equation, he'll play. How healthy will he be with the shoulder? And then it comes down to, well, what do you value more? Shoulder injury to a quarterback or an ankle injury to a quarterback? Both are pretty damn important. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk to Kay Adams today, and... Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, she was awesome. Uh, Fun fact, she's a Mizzou alum as well. So we have the MIZ connection. Um, I'll have the full video posted some point on my Twitter account, probably here as well on my podcast page. But if you want to follow me on Twitter at HomestretchKC, I assume if you listen to the show, you probably already do. If you don't, have more interactions there. But yeah, she was incredible, very nice. Whenever you see someone who has like almost 600,000 followers on a a Twitter account, you're saying like, are they going to be nice? Am I am I just in to get to get hazed? And it was like the nicest person. So it's a great experience, but obviously very knowledgeable. And she broke that down. It was basically, what are you more worried about? 
There's going to be injuries on both sides. Are you more worried about an ankle injury to a quarterback or a shoulder injury to a quarterback? And when you break it down like that, Mahomes' injury is bad. But you'd rather have a quarterback having an ankle injury than a shoulder injury. Throwing shoulder. We saw Jalen Hurts miss a few wide-open throws. We saw him miss A.J. Brown. That's concerning if you're an Eagles fan. So, breaking it down that way, injury's bad, but it's not a shoulder injury for Patrick. He'll fight through. Yeah, Might not be as mobile, but to an extent should not affect his arm. We didn't see many missed throws from, from Patrick. Yeah, I agree. And I thought we might. I thought him trying to push off, trying to get some, some power from his foot, I thought that might be an issue. We didn't see it as an issue. We saw early on in that game, he threw a dime to Kadarius Tony in the end zone, right? Yep. It was an incomplete pass. Tony had a chance to come down with it. Would have been a spectacular catch. Wasn't able to happen. But that throw right there shows me he'll be okay. Yeah, perfectly he'll, placed. He'll find a way to get it done. He might not be 100%. It might affect him. But he'll find a way to get it done. If your shoulder's just banged up, I don't care how much you want it. That's a hurt shoulder. Good luck trying to throw the rock. Yeah. It's going to be difficult. So that that was very um, insightful. Uh, we'll also be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry in the second segment. Full transparency, I recorded this with him yesterday. So if it says Sports Radio 810, that's the sister station here. I also do stuff for them. So uh, I like the interview I did with Nick Lowry, so I want to make sure I play that twice. And you're going to hear it here. Full transparency that surprisingly not everything you hear is live. <laughs> Kyle, you're shocked, I know. You shocked, Kyle? You thought everything's live. I've played a Nick Lowry segment on here before, so. He's good. He's good. So you know the business. should hear it. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Uh, Speaking of injury, Frank Clark played through pain in the AFC Championship game. He had a um, cramps is how they're labeling it, cramps. We all know about his stomach issue, right? And Kyle, if you try and get that out of both ears, you're not going to get it. Those headphones don't work. I know you're trying back, back there, pal. Those are my old headphones. Why do you think I don't use them anymore? <laughs> I know you guys are listening right now and saying, Sterling, what are you talking about? We have headphones on. Kyle's headphones are my old headphones that are extremely large. You look like an alien. Yeah, I apologize. I feel like one, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Martian. But they only come, or sound only comes out of one ear. And he was back there trying to fiddle with it, trying to get it come out of, to come out of both ears. And I, it's the it's the link that plugs into the board. I keep twisting you, it. You're yeah. get you're getting mono, pal. Yeah. You're not getting stereo. You're getting one ear and one ear only. That's all I need. That's why I have these bad boys back. I'm gonna have to find Dylan, see what he did with my standard ones. Steal it. <laughs> you and Dylan will fight. We'll have a producer fight off. You think you can take him? He's got a significant reach over me. He's a uh, tall guy. Yeah, he's an athletic guy too. He he he's yeah he's in shape. Now I'm quick I'm quick on my feet, but uh, no Dylan's length. I, and you know lengthy guys they usually pack a punch too. I feel so. like you were a wrestler though. Were you a wrestler? I wasn't. You weren't. You mm. look like one, which I is a compliment. I was a football player. There you I go. Was the shortest offensive guard you've ever seen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, low man wins. Yeah, exactly. There you go, baby. <laughs> Quarterback <laughs> didn't have to worry about hitting yeah. you in the back of the head, and they're not calling the cut black the cut blocks that much, you know, because yeah. so I could look like I'm diving for a cut block. They're not going to call it. Say, look how short that kid is. Yeah, he come on, <laughs> come on. That's, that was like me in basketball. I'm holding on to jerseys, you know, on screens, holding on. 
I still remember, like, dude, dude, like pushed me out. They did the whole fallback thing, and I'm like, uh-huh. he's like, he's holding my jersey, and I'm like, come on, I'm a little guy. Come on, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Are you a tremendous uh, head fake guy? When oh, you get a baby, I'm, I'm 5'10", 175, pal. Yeah, you better believe I am. I am head faking. Yeah, a little flopping. Uh huh. The Reggie Miller style basically right. is my my go to. Yeah, yeah. The short guys like us, we got to be actors out on the court. Oh, come on, we're we're playing sports and acting. We yeah. should get an, an <laughs> a, a Emmy. Is it an Emmy? Yeah. A, a Grammy's yeah. music. Yeah. Gosh, I don't watch those things. I don't either. I I just don't care. I don't either. Is that mean? No, it's not mean. It's like they're only meant for like the elite do it for themselves. It's like it's like hey, let's let's celebrate ourselves and how good we are. Yeah. I've never watched an Oscars. Ever. Yeah, I've never watched an Oscars. I, I don't. I don't care. The, the only Oscar I know is the Grouch. Okay, I'm not here about Oscars. And in, in, I guess Oscar from The Office took you a little bit there, huh? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it took you a little <laughs> bit there. Those those shows aren't for me. I'm a I'm a sports guy. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm a music guy too. I just I just don't care about Grammys. It never feels like it's given to the most talented people. It's given to the Who's popular? Right. Which maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. But going back to Frank Clark, he played through cramps. We know about the stomach issues throughout the season, throughout his career. The fact that it was apparently rearing its ugly head again, but he played through the pain, and he continued to dominate. He had a great game. Was it one and a half sacks, I believe, from Frank Clark in this game? Third place all time yeah. in playoff history for sacks. Playoff Frank Clark is a real thing. Oh, yeah. He's three sacks away from first place all time, I believe. Yeah. It's an incredible, I don't want to say contradictory, an incredible difference between regular season Frank Clark and playoff Frank Clark. Oh, yeah. I don't care your opinions of the contract he received, because I think the majority of folk are going to be on the same page of he was probably overpaid. What was given up to acquire him, if you take everything into account, as far as just regular season stuff, probably not worth it. Probably not a good deal. But then you start adding in the playoff numbers. Do the Chiefs win a Super Bowl without him? Do the Chiefs make this Super Bowl in the playoffs without him? He had a few huge sacks against the Bengals. I don't know. You, you We'll never know. But the point is, you have to look back on the Frank Clark contract and trade and save success for the for the reasons of the success of the team. Because, Absolutely. Because he was a major part in the big moments. And I don't think they beat Cincinnati without Frank Clark. And, and you know, the Chiefs win their, their first Super Bowl with Mahomes. Maybe you could argue Clark wasn't hugely necessary in those games. But against Cincinnati, he was. Chris Jones needed some help, and yeah. he, he got it big time. And so, Frank Clark, when his, when it's all said and done, I know we're looking a little ahead now because he actually might be back in another year. I don't know how you let him walk at this point. He's not going to get a large contract. He fits well in Kansas City. He wants to be in Kansas City from all accounts. Mm-hmm. Seems like he'll be back, which is wild if you would have told someone two years ago or a year ago. But it's going to be an interesting look back at Frank Clark's Frank Clark's career. The money... The trade, the regular season unsuccess, but then the playoff success that outweighs all of it in the big moments. Yeah, His story is going to be wild to look back on. But Frank Clark, 
Here's to you. One more game. Get it done. Taking a look at the AFC West, Derek Carr not extending the contract date because there is a specific date in his contract where if he's not traded, $40 million in guarantees kicks in. That date's 12 days away, February 15th. So Derek Carr was speaking during the Pro Bowl games, which I actually want to touch on a little bit later on. And he's like, no. Not only that, he has a no-trade clause. Either Derek Carr is getting released, or he's going to wherever he wants to go. Derek Carr holds all the cards. Absolutely. The Raiders came saying, hey, extend that date for us. Let us find a better trade partner for us. Derek Carr, whatever you want to say here in Kansas City about, just anything about him, I understand. He's an easy guy to rip on, the eyeliner look, the the Raiders quarterback. But he seems like a good guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he seems like a guy who truly cares about the organization. He gave it his all. He wanted to win in Oakland and then in Las Vegas. Yeah. I respect that. I respect Derek Carr. He's not an elite quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he gets hated on because we're, we see greatness here, and it's easy to hit on the Raiders. It's fun to hit on the Raiders, yeah, He's frankly. in a division with Herbert and Mahomes. Uh, 100%. But I respect the guy. And I respect him more after this. Mm. He's bent over backwards for the Raiders time and time again. He finally gets a really lucrative contract. I mean, he had, a, he had one, but he, he got another lucrative contract. Get ready to kick in. They go, you know what? We don't want you to get hurt. You're sitting the last couple games of the season. Now they want you to extend that trigger date so they can get better deal in return. Derek Carr basically say, no chance, pal. Yeah, to hell with you. I gave it my all. You sat me. You made your choice. I'm out. Trade me. Cut me. We're on the starter. I... He's not in a bad spot. If they don't cut him, they don't trade him. He has 40 mil plus, guaranteed. They trade him. He's a no-trade clause. He can let him know where he wants to go. He gets released. He's a free agent. There'll be some teams bidding for his services. Derek Carr, prom queen right now. (laughs) That's basically what he is. What other quarterback on the open market is better than him? Tom Brady's retired. Hey, Jimmy G. I agree with you there, yeah. I couldn't name anybody. It's not Carson Wentz. It's not Carson <laughs> Wentz that we know that much. It's probably Derek Carr. Yeah, you're right. He's going to have his opportunity to land where he wants to land. Oh, yeah. For the most part, obviously. I mean, he's not going to the Chiefs. He's not going to, I'd assume, Green Bay. He's not going to go <laughs> to Denver. They've already got not, one problem there. Not going to the Chargers, <laughs> not going to the Eagles, not going to you know the Jaguars. But the Jets are a real possibility. Jets? Maybe the Colts? Colts are a real possibility. Maybe Washington being a real possibility. Maybe the Niners? Yeah. But the point is, he's going to have his choice. Oh, yeah. He'll have his druthers. I trust you saw his Pro Bowl soundbite yes. from yesterday. It was great. And the fact that he's wearing an NFL logo hat, not wearing a Raiders shirt, nothing. He's done. Mm-hmm. 
as he should be. And this also, to, to take it back to a Kansas City perspective, just shows you how great of an organization Kansas City is, how they take care of their own. Because the Chiefs have had guys who were the, let's say, franchise cornerstone, but they weren't always sure that that was the franchise quarterback, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, to an extent, was Derek Carr. To an extent, a little different because Derek Carr was drafted, obviously, by the Raiders. But Alex Smith was brought in to head the ship to turn this team around. Derek Carr was brought in to turn the Raiders around. They did. Neither could really get over the hump. Alex Smith actually had more success. But the entire tenure was always, all right, but what if we got something better? They were never content. Right. The organization was, was never content with Derek Carr. The Chiefs, I don't know if they were ever 100% content with Alex Smith. It's always like, we like Alex Smith, he's the bridge. Derek Carr felt like he was the bridge. But what did the Chiefs do? Hey, we're drafting this guy. You don't have to mentor him. You don't have to do this, that, and the other. But what did they do? They gave Alex Smith the heads up. Alex Smith mentored him because he's a great, great dude. They left on good terms. Chiefs and Alex Smith. Oh, yeah. Raiders did none of that. They decided, all right, screw it. Two games left. You're sitting so we don't have to pay your contract. It just felt like they had no prior planning with Derek Carr. Yeah, The Chiefs went in, letting Alex Smith know how it was going to work out, let them know their feelings, left amicably. Derek Carr and the Raiders, it is not. And Alex Smith went out and had his best season as a starter, too. <sighs> Statistically. He did. And, I, and he got paid for that. He got paid for it. And then the injury. Yeah, shame how that... It's, it's unfair. Honestly, it's a shame for Washington. Alex, how old is Alex Smith, do you think? 34. I'm going to say 37. Let's see. Alex Smith is 38. Oh, wow. He might... Might, strong word, might still be playing. He might still be the Washington head uh, starting quarterback right now. Hell, I'd take him over uh, Carson Wentz. Probably over Taylor Heineke. Yeah. But I just think that's how two different organizations run. The Raiders being the Raiders, the Chiefs being the Chiefs, the Chiefs being known as a top-notch organization, a top-tier organization. They took care. They understood the situation. And they made it work. The Raiders burning bridges. Let's take a quick break. Come back. We'll be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry right after. Hey, football fans. It's Chiefs Hall of Famer Nick Lowry. Celebrate game day with El Bandito Yankee tequila and ultra premium tequila made only from 100% Blue Weber agave, the finest agave from the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico. No fake colorings or flavors in their verified additive-free Blanco and Reposado. Maybe that's why they've won the double-blind platinum and gold medals and now are listed as one of the world's top tequilas by Rolling Stone magazine, by Esquire, you name it. Make this season so smooth it's criminal. With El Bandito Yankee, the official tequila of game day, and be sure to visit elbanditoyankee.com. 
Welcome back into Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Nick, how you doing? I'll tell you what, it's never been crazier. Everybody's coming to to uh, Phoenix, and I'm doing interviews with Mick Schaefer from NBC Television on Sunday with Nate Vickers from CBS, KCTV5 on Tuesday, and then doing an event with uh, Terrell Davis and Lee Steinberg and Jeff Garcia Thursday and our buddy Chris Katz, the anchor for many years, superstar anchor for ABC, KNBC. So it's great. It's like a, a reunion. And, you know, nothing better than celebrating the Chiefs three times now in four years in the Super Bowl. But there's a maturity to this team beyond its years, a young team, uh, a maturity in Patrick Mahomes that – you know, was interrupted uh, and disrupted, as you'll remember, just a couple days before that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and Tom Brady by that horrendous traffic accident by Andy Reid's son. And I keep saying that because it just threw the team off. And we had the middle of COVID, you might remember, so nobody left as they normally do a week before on Sunday. So they have a week to kind of get comfortable with the new surroundings. Instead, they were going to fly out right before the game like a normal week. And they just, you know, Patrick Mahomes was not yelling at his teammates on the sidelines, inspiring them. He looked like he had a, you know, deer caught in the headlights look, as did Andy, for a reason. That's not the only reason, but we were off. And I think that still reverberates in Patrick Mahomes' mind, as does the people that were there, like Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. So now we're going against an Eagles team, having, shall we say, to some degree, put to bed some of that Burrowhead crap. Uh, thank you, Chris Jones and company, and thank you, Harrison Butker. Yeah. First off, it sounded like uh, they were all celebrating drinking some of the El Bandito Yankee tequila hearing Travis Kelsey postgame. Sounded like you got a uh, a drink or two in before that speech. But, yeah, <laughs> b- b- before we talk about the upcoming Super Bowl match between the Chiefs and the Eagles, let's take a quick look back. What were some of your takeaways from that game? It was obviously a close game. The Chiefs got it done. You mentioned Bucker coming up clutch. But what were some of your main takeaways from that game? Well, I I saw today that Patrick Mahomes practiced, did a full practice. I mean, that guy is so tough. The high ankle sprain is one of the most lingering issues you could possibly have. And just as a testimony to him, the last run of the game, they put us in the position, what would have been a 60-yard field goal attempt. Uh, And then, of course, with that uh, very fortunate push out of bounds, it was a legitimate penalty gave us a 45-yard attempt, and my man Harrison came through. But that, to me, is the leadership of Patrick Mahomes. Then you look at uh, Joe Thune and the difference that he made for Orlando Brown on the left side of the line because that pass rush that had been uh, much more significant in the early 13th week game between the Bengals and the Chiefs was uh, significantly reduced. It gave Patrick time to throw. And then, of course, he's hitting Kelsey – uh, but thankfully, we had MVS because Juju Schuster, Nicole Hardman, I mean, everybody's getting injured. So the good news for us is it's two weeks to recover. Um, and I would not be surprised if everybody, with the possible exception of Nicole, are back because a pelvis injury is just so difficult. And then Kadarius Tony got injured, too. So we need him because he's just got that big threat. I mean, he, there, he presents a question mark to the defense. On the other side of the ball, you've got the Eagles, 
<laughs> with a phenomenal line on defense and offense with four guys with 10 sacks apiece. I mean, that's unheard of. And so everything, I think, uh, at least initially, strategically has to be to protect Patrick, give him time to throw. And like I said, throw in an extra tight end, extra lineman if you have to, because Patrick will find the two receivers, you know, not maybe the four. He'll just need two if he has time to throw. It's going to be a really interesting thing. I do not think that Justin Hurts is anything close to Patrick Mahomes as a passer. He's a great runner. We'll have to stop him. But that last game showed me that the Chiefs, when they put their mind to it, when they've had to make big plays, almost always they have. And Patrick is a bit more mature guy. He, as he said, in his own words, he choked last year in that championship game against Cincinnati. And so he's playing this year with a, with a mission, and I look forward to just seeing something special. Shutting down Justin Hurts, who only threw for 121 yards, by the way, uh, in that game last week. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here. Just speaking of heroics, Harrison Butker, all season long, you and I, we've been on the same page trying to tell some Chiefs fans who are, who are calling for, for Harrison Butker to get canned, say, hey, calm down. He's been so good for so long. He always seems to come up huge in the clutch, and this is why. How much of a redemption story is this for Harrison Butker? Do you believe he's truly back? Just as a guy like Butker, you obviously being a former kicker, you know, these game winners, there's even more pressure on them. How great of a job did Harrison Butker do? Could not have done better. Um, I mean, seriously, three field goals last week, the game winner right down the pipe. It's interesting, too, because the Bengals did not call timeout. I, I don't know if they didn't have any timeouts left. I can't remember. But but normally, you know, the weenie head coaches, I call them weenie for a reason when they do that. Uh, they call that timeout. So that's one thing. But the week before, 250 yarders, 51 and 50 yarder, and a game-saving tackle on a kickoff, to me that could have been a game-saving tackle. So, you know, um, he, he's, he's a really clutch kicker. He's one of the top three kickers in the NFL and just a great guy. And he's when you cu- couple him with, with Tommy Townsend, I mean, that's an all-pro punter. That's a pretty special group of guys. But um, we're going to need everybody. What every great team understands is everybody plays a role. Everybody. The, the trainer plays a role. <laughs> you know, everybody plays a huge role. And the equipment manager plays a role. Um, this will be indoors and that helps for the kickers in perfect weather, somewhere between probably 55 and more likely 65 and 75 in the stadium out here. Uh, So that won't be a factor. And Patrick tends to do pretty well there, but he does well in cold weather too. That's the other thing about Patrick. I didn't see one player complaining about the freezing temperatures. They were focused on the game. And uh, to some degree, that pass rush by the Kansas City Chiefs uh, put a, a stalwart, incredibly mentally tough Joe Burrow, um, it humbled him. You know, you can, it, he wasn't going to give up because he's just that special. But <laughs> you get tired of getting hit, and he forced a couple balls just slightly early, and we got a couple interceptions on him. Meanwhile, Patrick was perfect. Uh, before I talk about the pass rush from Kansas City, you called them weenie coaches uh, when it comes to icing kickers. Does that mean you hate getting ice, or is that one of those things where it didn't affect no. you when you were playing? You didn't care? Well, I, I, I think what you do is it's how you manage that time. If they call a timeout, you run to the sidelines. That's what I would do, kick into the net, take advantage of it. Don't stand there and just think about it. I'll never forget Scott Norwood, two consecutive timeouts on him before he missed 
to the right, that 47-yard field goal in the 1990-91 Super Bowl. And if he just went to the sidelines, I think that would have helped him. He had never kicked a field goal over 40 yards on grass before. And, uh, you know, when you stand out there, it's just too much time to get self-conscious and not just stay in your rhythm. So for good kickers, if you're a very good kicker, it helps you. For the kickers that are average and below, it can maybe not help you. So that's my answer to that is you have to have a strategy and, and take control. Don't let them try to dictate where you are and how you handle that moment. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here. So back to the defensive line for Kansas City. We know about the sack numbers. We know how good Chris Jones has been all season. But playoff Frank Clark is here. Playoff Frank Clark is a real thing. Chris Jones in his own right stepped up big, put all the haters to rest, all the folks that say, yeah, he's great in the regular season, but where is his playoff sacks? He got them and closed that game out. What have you made of the Chiefs' defensive line? Well, first of all, Chris Jones, have you noticed – He's had sacks on almost all the big games in the last month and a half Mm -hmm. to close out the games. And then you've got Carl Aftis. I think I saw him counting one, two, three, four sacks. (laughs) I think we had five sacks maybe. You know, so uh, there's a rookie who's only going to get better. Um, So that makes a huge difference. You know, there's no way, no matter how strategic you are, no matter how accurate you are, when you've got a hand in your face, somebody about to hit you, Uh, and you've got to get rid of the ball or else they will hit you before you throw the ball, you tend to make mistakes, not be so perfect. I don't see – I saw probably three passes uh, by Jalen Hurts that were not just off target. They were way off target. So that's what we've got to do with him. And, of course, figure out a way to shadow him so that he can't run too effectively because he'll probably get 100 yards rushing if we're not careful. But, um, you know, some people say they're all talking about the best offensive line, the best defensive line, or both owned by the Eagles. We'll find out. And the trump card is Andy Reid, and the trump card is Patrick Mahomes. Bottom line is we've got a coach who's more experienced, more innovative, another coach who's done a great job managing a tremendous amount of talent in Nick Sirianni. And then we've got a quarterback who's the magician. It reminds me of my next-door neighbor, Muhammad Ali for 12 years, I'd come over every month or so just to play cards with him and, and magic. He'd love to perform his magic, and that's Patrick. Patrick generates a different, unpredictable, original script whenever he's up for the moment. Well, speaking of magic, Patrick Mahomes has been sacked 26 times on 648 drop-back attempts, right? Only 26 times. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, we keep talking about the Eagles' offensive line. He's been sacked 38 times on only 460 attempts. Uh, Magic Mahomes it is. I I don't know if we're not giving the Chiefs' offensive line enough credit when it comes to pass protection. I don't know if folks are overblowing how talented the Eagles' offensive line is when it comes to pass protection. I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts holding on the ball too long or Mahomes getting it out quick. But it feels like Mahomes is doing a phenomenal job at getting the ball out and not taking the back-breaking sack. And that's also Andy Reid knowing how to confuse the defense, you know, with his screens and all the different movements, lateral movement as well. Jalen Hurts taking it a little bit longer. And frankly, let's let them talk about how great that offensive line is for Philadelphia. Let's let them talk about that Reggie White-like pass rush with the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's let them because in the end, just like people, as I said earlier, talk about Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP, he would say and has said, Who cares? I've done both, and losing the Super Bowl ain't a lot of fun when you win the MVP. doesn't matter. 
what's winning the Super Bowl means is you are establishing a Hall of Fame uh, legacy for yourself, but also a legacy for Kansas City. And after 50 years to be in the third Super Bowl in four years, and frankly to undo, to go back to what I originally said, to undo that stain on our soul, the chief soul, by how that three days, a couple days before that Thursday morning, Friday morning before the the Super Bowl in Tampa, and how it just destroyed, I think, the momentum of that team, um, that's not going to be there this time. And I see the resilient Chiefs with uh, the best coach and one of the best two coaches in the NFL. I don't know who number two is, frankly, at this point. Um, I think Andy Reid stands alone. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here with Harrison Bucker going back to the field that he got injured on at the beginning of this season out there in Arizona. Do you think there's any thought in the back of his mind about, hey, this is where I got hurt, or is that just completely out of the equation? It's only fair as a human to have those concerns in my mind, but what are you thinking here? Well, if I were him, I'm just going to say what I would do, which is what happened there? Like, there was a slip, so if that turf, that, that grass field has a looseness to it, I'm sure he's thinking, I'm going to make sure I've got the right kind of cleats to make sure. If you've noticed, he used to have a 10-yard run-up on kickoffs. Now it's five yards. It's for that reason. He doesn't have to be running quite so fast to hit the ball into the end zone and, and beyond. So he's made adjustments. Um, he also happened to hit a 54-yard field goal with a one-step field goal in that stadium, in that game, with an injured ankle. So um, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Uh, very quickly, that was very intriguing. You mentioned how he cut his his run from 10 yards to five. Is that a reason why we've seen less touchbacks as this season's gone on? Or is that more of a schematic thing that Dave Tobe is asking them and saying, hey, we think if you get them and kick it to the one or two yard line, if they try and take it out, we can stop them before the 25. Which way do you land here? Oh, I, I think it's just, he, you know, when you're giving yourself less of a run-up, you're not going to hit. You're going to lose a couple yards on it, um, and that's about it. Uh, Dave Tobin occasionally strategically, if you're behind and you want to you want to get the ball back, you hit that ball high to the goal line, let him return it, and give a chance to knock the hell out of it because Harrison can get a nice 4.3-second, 4.4-second hang time, which means your guys are getting down and they're going to hit him around the 15-yard line. Mm. How amplified are the nerves in a game like this, just a big game in general or getting into the playoffs? How much different is that from just a regular season week two game? As far as a kicker, a player, is it one of those situations where you're, you're nervous and you feel it just immediately at kickoff? Or does it slowly go away because you end up thinking, you know what, it's just a game. I've been here time and time again. This is the sport I love, the game I love, and it's just another game into the day. Well, it really helps, frankly. Another thing, you know, when they talk about that great offensive line and defensive line for the Eagles, we've got this thing called Super Bowl experience. Now, not all the players are there from that experience, but enough of them are there that helps. But the truth is only half of the fans that are in that stadium are deeply embedded, emotional, crazy Chiefs or Eagles fans. The other, they're about 65,000, I think, at most. It's smaller than Arrowhead Stadium. So that means they're going to be about 30,000 people that are, you know, they're cheering, but it's just not the same. It won't be 142, 143 decibels, you know, like Arrowhead Stadium. You know, it'll be more like 100. And you notice the difference. Um, it's just there's an emotional level that's a little bit more uh, tame. Now, you might remember the only outdoor Super Bowl in recent history in New York 
the the Seattle fans were in one end zone, and there was uh, the first drive of the game. Peyton Manning was just shocked because he was standing at about the ten yard line. I think something happened on the kickoff, and he he could barely hear himself because that twelfth man from Seattle made so much noise, and he did not expect that having played another Super Bowl. So that's the exception that proves the rule. And I, I just don't think it has that level of emotion except the fact that it's an important game. But it's, it's muted. It's not quite the same. Who are you looking forward to being your El Bendito Yankee player of the game against the Eagles? Well, I think, number one, there's going to be a surprise. I think there's always somebody that just rises up and has an amazing game. Uh, let's give credit to MBS. I mean, number 11 just made catch after catch when no one else was available. And that, that points to Patrick Mahomes that, you know, you could have the, the girls' basketball team. I'm not being misogynistic here. I'm just saying you can have the girls' basketball team from the eighth grade school, uh, you know, St. Patrick's School in Kansas City. And, uh and, and he'd probably be able to hit a couple of them for completions. You know, that's, that's how innovative he is. So I'm going to go with MVS as just realizing he's got to step it up. I'd love to see Kadarius Tony. I always say that because, you know, there's the, the man that can emerge from that youthful beginning that was not successful in, in, with the Giants and show everybody up. I mean, that really was so close to a touchdown at the beginning of the game. Um, but on, on defense, uh, incredibly important to, again, to have that pass rush and then Legereus Need coming back from an injury. I mean, that's our best coverage guy, and he's had injuries each of the last couple of games, but he's come back. I mean, I want him, and that's secondary in general. I'm just going to say the Chiefs secondary, if they can do a good job, what's great is how young they are and how much better they are than that first game against Cincinnati, even though it was the 13th week. They keep getting more mature. Uh, and so, in the end, if we can stop Jalen Hurts, who is supposed to be, you know, such a dramatic and is a physically gifted player. I just don't see him killing us in the air. And that means that makes it a, a one-dimensional game on offense for Philadelphia. Well, you nailed it last week with the win over Cincinnati, predicting we'd be drinking a El Bendito Yankee celebratory drink. 24-22, that's pretty close. You nailed it. I said 27-24, so you and I combined, we, we crushed it last week, Nick. We crushed it last week. But give me your early, uh, what's it, a little over a week, week and a half out. Give us your early score prediction in this one. I'm going to go with Chiefs 31 and Eagles 24. Uh, I, I think that um, Andy just seems to come out with new stuff every time he has an extra week. And that's another sign. I mean, the two great signs of a great coach to me are when in two weeks you just get that extra edge. That means there's extra advantage and then the halftime adjustments. Mm. And uh, Marty Schottenheimer, God bless him, best player, best coach that I ever played for. My name's next to him on the wall at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm just so honored because he taught me and showed me how to turn a team with virtually the same talent in one year into a tough playoff caliber team. But having said that, people didn't like – that, you know, too much, they didn't think Marty could make those adjustments. I don't know if that's true, but I know that Andy Reid can, and I know that this team is able to do that, and that's what makes football four times more popular than baseball and basketball because not only do you have the physical supremacy, the speed, the violence, the grace, you've got this three-dimensional chess game of strategy, and then you've got 11 man-on-mans, you know. It's just so beautiful to watch the game 
get more interesting the more you understand it. And your eyes are trained to see so many interesting things going on. So that's why I love it. Football, the game of games, while El Bandito Yankee Tequila is the drink of drink. Nick Lowry has achieved winning a Super Bowl, while El Bandito Yankee Tequila has won platinum and gold medals. One of the top tequilas in the world. El Bandito Yankee Tequila, so smooth, it's criminal. Nick, absolute pleasure having you on, man. I'll probably talk to you next week, hopefully at least one more time before the Super Bowl, before the game. Until then, man, you take it easy. Can't wait, brother. Go Chiefs. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 W8. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN Kansas City. Thank you to Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Always fun talking to him. Always a good guy. I'm a little jealous I'm not going to be at the Super Bowl. Not going to lie. Not because I really want to go to the game. The weather, man. (laughs) No, I wanted to go to the game too. But the weather, come on. In Arizona, it's going to be so nice. I didn't find it interesting, his thoughts on icing the kicker. If you're a good kicker, hell, it should help you. If you're a bad kicker, that's when icing really comes into play. What do you think about Harrison Bucker going back to where the injury this season began? Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. I mean, I know Nick talked about it a little bit. He, that, that, he, he briefly talked about it, talking about how you make sure you have longer spikes. Yeah. I think the most interesting takeaway, which was something I didn't notice, normally you have a 10-yard start, right? Uh-huh. He said Bucker's been doing a 5-yard start on kickoffs. That would explain some of the shorter kicks we've seen. And that's why I asked. I said, hey, is this more of a Dave Tobe or is this a Harrison Bucker? It, it, you just can't get it. He goes, you just can't get it. You can't get it into the end zone as often on these five-yard drops compared to ten. Yeah. Well, I think that answers a lot of questions. We've been asking this for a while now, and now we have an answer. That, that's It's always interesting talking to him because he has a perspective that we don't always have. You don't always think about some of the little things in regards to special teams, the kicking unit, Harrison Butker. You have the obvious ones of, why isn't he making the kick? You have the obvious ones of, is it the yips? But those, well, what's going on with not seeing as many touchbacks? Well, there you go. There's a reason why. He just sees a lot more things than us. I would never have noticed that. Truthfully, I would never have noticed that. I wouldn't either. I would have blamed it on the ankle. Dave Tobe saying, hey, you know, just... Something else, but I would not have noticed the the yardage difference on yep. on, on kicking. Mm-hmm. Very intriguing. Do you think special teams stays as solid as it's been? We better hope it does. <laughs> but I, I didn't ask. Do you hope it stays? Do you <laughs> think it stays? Yeah, I think so. Butker's been nails yeah, all postseason. Been. He seems healthy, right? He yes. seems nailing two fifty yarders in one game. That's fantastic stuff, right there. And that's that's how I know he he he's back. He feels back to me. It feels back. Special teams unit feels back outside of the long kick returns. Now who now who would have thought a guy who's been doing radio as much as me would leave his phone on? 
I thought that was me. I looked at my computer. Oh, I can't blame you. I take credit. Come on. If I if I do something stupid, it's me. Come on. Sterling, you're better than that. No. But if I were Harrison Butker, I hope that's not in the back of his mind. The This is where I got injured to start this season. You assume you're going to see better grass turf. Oh, God. I hope. And and Arizona's been an issue. All, he got hurt there too. It's been an issue all season long. Kyler Murray. Yeah, there's been some brutal injuries on that Arizona grass. Is grass, isn't it? The fact is, I think it's going to be ready to go. It should be good. They've had time. Arizona's not been in the playoffs. If you put a concert on that material before you're a buffoon they're not going to risk it that field should be pristine yeah it says bermuda grass there you go it should be pristine yeah it's a super bowl get it together they'll have it together i'm not worried and by the way i don't know if there's enough talk i'm sure someone in some space has already talked about it we have a lot lot more time to get in every single Minutia before the game. But it's a dome. It Warm is. weather. Not just special teams. Where actually Kansas City has the advantage, I think. Eagles don't have a very good special team. Talking with some Eagles reporters, uh, that might be their weakness. Mahomes in a dome. He can air it out. Don't have to worry about the the elements. Right. What do the Eagles do well? They run the football. But typically, if you're a run-first team, you don't care about the elements. That can behoove you at times. Throw in the rock. You want it in a dome. You prefer it in a dome. This is good for Mahomes. This is good for a pass-happy, pass-first offense. That's my opinion. Absolutely. And for Jalen Hurts with a potentially 85% shoulder advantage, Chiefs and Adva- passing attack. Advantage Chiefs in the passing attack. And now, that's more of a logistical advantage for Kansas City. More of a where you're playing, not team-oriented. But still, it's something to note. I don't think you can just throw that out the window. I think this does pose as an advantage for Kansas City. Something I found interesting. We, we talk and talk and talk about how good the Eagles are running the football. I am taking nothing away from the Eagles running the football. They had the fifth most rushing yards in the NFL and the most rushing touchdowns by eight. They had 32 rushing touchdowns. Next closest was 24. But how many yards per carry do you think they average? Between four and five? Yes, but it, yes it is between four, four and, and five. Four and a half? 4.7. 4.7. Pretty darn good, right? That's yeah. pretty, pretty good average. Oh, yeah. What do you think the Chiefs average on the ground? Below 4.7. But above a four. Four seven. Four seven, okay. Both of these two teams average four seven on the ground. Uh-huh. Eagles are a great running team, and probably partially the reason why they have at as four seven is Jalen Hurts surprisingly doesn't have a, a ton, or at least a super high yards per carry. Some of that's kneel downs. They've been ahead in a lot of games, so they've had some kneel downs. Right. Um the design runs for him. They're not always going for 8, 9, 10 yards. A lot of them are going for, you know, 1, 2, a tackle for loss here and there. 
just truthfully, that's why. But I thought it was very interesting because for a team that we've lauded as well, they might have the best rushing attack in the NFL, and I think they, they might have the best rushing attack in the NFL, the Chiefs can move the ball on the ground as well. They don't do it as often, Yeah. but yards per carry, same. Yeah, that, part, part, part of that is, just really quickly, part of that is Eagles, a lot of teams know they're running and they still get 4.7. Chiefs, you might not, you're expecting them to pass yeah. and they're only getting 4.7. But at the end of the day, they're still getting a good chunk of change on the ground. Chiefs just get stopped in those fourth and ones, third and ones, those short yarded situations. Yeah, they do. And that's painful to watch. But, you know, my question was how much more often are the Eagles running the ball, which I uh, figure it's a time. I don't have that pulled back up. I had it last night in front of me. I, I, I apologize. I got out of my spreadsheet. But they ran the ball a good amount more than Kansas City. Eagles are a run-first team. Take another away from Jalen Hurts, though, because Jalen Hurts has got it done with his arm. I, I, I've been thoroughly impressed by what he has done. But... Let me pose this to you. I've been liking to ask people this question because I get a lot of different answers each person I've asked. If you're Spagnolo, you're the Chiefs, do you put a spy on Jalen Hurts? Or does that take too much away from the defense as a whole? Taking a, that's taking away a blitzer. That's taking away someone in pass coverage. If you have a guy strictly on Jalen Hurts as a spy, do you or do you not do that? I think you have to because he's absolutely a threat. But given that I do not trust the Chiefs' run defense, oh, yeah. See, that is tough. And it really depends on how much Hurts wants to run, you know, given his shoulder injury, too. Yeah. Ah, you put me in a twister here. That's the goal, baby. (laughs) Uh, Let me hear your answer. I say you start off with no spy. Okay. If he just continuously beats you on the ground, especially on, let's just say, third and threes. Third and fives. Third and seven. If they're struggling through the air, then I say yes. Okay, yeah. I like they, that. They, you know, or not, I mean, if they're struggling to pass the ball, then yeah, you put a spy on them. My question is, we've seen teams in the past do a very good job going over the middle to their tight ends, the slot. Against the Chiefs, Against right. the Chiefs linebacking core. Take one of those away as a spy. You might be even left more open to Dallas Goddard, who's a fine tight end in his own right. Right. A lot of quick throws from the Eagles. So I say no, unless they're just continuously beating you on the ground with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, that's a good plan. Look at me, baby. Defensive coordinator. Sterling, Sterling Spagnolo. Spagnolo. <laughs> well, is that, does that work? That fits perfect. It, yeah. it works, baby. We got, we got the alliteration Sound there. like his nephew. Home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City, back on Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.